The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. This is fine. It's like saying it's all good, no worries, which is very similar to saying duck. And everybody, when they hear you yell duck, everybody looks up because they know something's going to hit them in the head. Uh, My wife is really good about those kind of moments. Uh, She'll call me, and the very first thing she says is, uh, don't worry, I'm okay, which immediately means I'm going to start worrying. What is wrong? What just happened? Are you in a car accident? One of the kids jump out of the window? You know, like, what's going? on that I should not worry about. And some of you have someone like that in your life when they call you. The first thing they say is like, don't worry, I'm okay. And immediately you start worrying or they tell you some, you know, they tell you, they warn you on the front end that you don't need to worry, which just basically causes you to stress out and worry. And there's a Bible verse that sounds a lot like that. I just thought I'd read it right right off the start here. Here we go. It's found in the letter to the Philippians, chapter four, verse four and verse six. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice, which is similar to saying, celebrate. And then he continues and says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry. You don't have to, you don't have to be anxious about anything. And when I hear that, and when I read that, I immediately think, what, are are you disconnected from reality? Do you have no idea what's going on in the world around us? Maybe 2,000 years ago when this was written, there was nothing to worry about, but I'm just going to give you a couple headlines. Like this week, the, there was a drone strike by Iran on a Saudi um, oil pipeline. And the Iranians said, no, it wasn't us, it was the US, and they're using it as a false flag as an excuse to go to war against us. And so then they've declared that they are going to go to war and it's gonna be a devastating war for the United States. And then we've deployed or sent uh, USS Abraham Lincoln, a aircraft carrier, along with a few battleships, near Iran. Additionally, uh, we are now in a tariff war with China, and their uh, premier or their uh, ruler has said that it is going to be the people's war, an economic war. Beyond that, uh, apparently tens of millions of people, were, were ex- their personal data was exposed because there was a, a hack in cell phones, and now tens of millions of people's information has been breached. And then beyond all that, just, I mean, just recently we, we saw news that the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, was attacked and drop kicked at a conference he was hosting. When the Terminator gets drop kicked, we are in trouble. And so again, when you hear the words, you know, celebrate, don't worry, everything's going to be fine, it sounds like you're not paying attention. And so here's, you know, here's the deal, right? 40 million American adults struggle with some form of an anxiety disorder. That's 20% of the adult population. 32% of the adolescent population struggles with some form of an anxiety disorder. And about $42 billion a year 
uh, is spent in some form of medical expense for dealing with treating an anxiety disorder. $42 billion, which is about a third of the $148 billion spent total on all medical expenses. So imagine a, a third of all medical-related expenses go out to some type of uh, anxiety or stress-related disorder. And so here's what you and I do. Whether it's a disorder or not, I don't know, but when we get overwhelmed, when we begin to worry, when the levels uh, in our life reach anxiety level, we, we wanna numb it, we want to escape it, and so we have different coping mechanisms. Some people's coping mechanisms are healthier, some are unhealthy, but we, we do some form of you know, numbing or escaping, and so people, you know, they, they will you know, go, go on vacation, which is you know, healthy, or maybe you turn to a relationship, or use sex, or use medication, or use an addiction. Um, others, you know, you, you begin to play and use games and use uh, physical, maybe, or maybe physical activity as a, as a release. Some do take time off. Others just sleep and try to sleep it off. And whatever you use, you're probably trying to numb the pain or escape the pain, but there's this inevitable reality, right? If I'm trying to numb it, eventually the medication or the drugs wear off. If I'm trying to escape it, eventually I have to come back home. And even if I use a sudden change to escape, maybe you've suddenly changed your living situation or the job situation or a relationship situation, eventually, whatever you suddenly changed to becomes the norm. And then you need to escape again. And so no matter how hard we try, we can't numb or escape the pain that we feel. And, and not just the, the trouble around us, right, but some internal thing that makes us feel anxious and in trouble. And so if you, you know, if, if the guy who wrote rejoice, let me say it again, rejoice, be anxious about nothing, you know, you don't have to be anxious about anything. If he wrote that, you know, on vacation or life was going easy for him, we, we wouldn't have to take it seriously. But the reality is the apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in Philippi because he got bad news. He was sitting in prison, probably in Rome, when he got bad news about the church in Philippi, a church he started 10 years earlier, and he hadn't been there in about four years. And the bad news he got was that there was division tearing apart the church. And part of the division was a result of the threats and the troubles they were experiencing from outside. But here's what happened. Trouble outside created trouble inside the church. And so the apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church in Philippi saying, I want to talk to you about what you're experiencing. And over and over and over in his letter, he talks about joy and celebration. And, and he's, so in this moment, He's saying, I want you to know how you can experience joy even in anxiety. Joy when you should be feeling stress. Joy when life is troubling around you. And, and so what's the key here? His key is this, and it's, if you were to think about the idea, basically what he's saying is that we can experience peace through surrender. The joy that we can have is a result of peace because we've learned how to surrender, and if you're like me, the word surrender is not a comfortable word. You think of putting your arms up, maybe being arrested, 
Uh, or you think of a military surrender, and there is nothing about this word surrender, especially to a red-blooded American, that feels good. I don't want our nation to surrender. We are not a, a nation that surrenders. I mean, it's peace through strength, right? My guns are bigger than your guns, and we have peace because you know we can outgun you. Our aircraft carriers are bigger than yours. Our rockets are bigger than yours. Our nuclear weapons are more than yours. And as a result, we have peace. So people leave us alone, and there's peace in the world because we have the biggest, baddest guns. We have the strongest, most well-trained military, and we salute, we are celebrate our military. But we're not talking about government peace. We're not talking about you know, world domination or world peace. We're talking about something that we go through on a daily basis, and that is how do we deal with the stresses and anxieties in our life? And there is this moment where you and I realize we can't outgun every problem. Oh, we try. We try to be strong enough. We try to, we try to flex our muscle, but there's situations in, inevitably that happen in life that we just can't outgun. No matter how much we want to, no matter how much we try, we're not strong enough, we're not big enough, we're not bad enough. Eventually, situations are bigger than we are. And in that moment, what it reveals is this. Things can always get worse. And, and many of us, we've learned how to figure out how to, how to play out in our mind how situations can go from bad to worse. We play out worst case scenarios. In fact, some of you, this is how you make a living. You're an engineer, you're an analyst, uh, you're an insurance salesman, and you literally make a living trying to figure out how people can mitigate worst case scenarios. And most of us are pretty good at wrestling through these fears. Here's what we do when we worry. We're beginning to think through how it can get worse how it can go from bad to worse, how it can, you know, what is the worst case scenario? And here's what you and I have discovered, that our problems are not just the troubles around us, but the troubles around us create trouble in us. And the trouble in us is a result of an inner turmoil, an inner lack of peace. And here's the result, or here's the, the source of that. It's called sin. It's a deep spiritual crisis, a deep spiritual turmoil where we are separated from right relationship with God and as a result we experience anxiety and stress through our life because we can constantly see where things are going from bad to worse because we're on our own we're in trouble and worse we are in spiritual trouble and our life will not just end in death but in eternal judgment, eternal destruction. And so maybe you're listening and, and you're thinking, thanks, Patrick, you just made me more stressed out. I'm feeling more anxious as a result of what you just said. Life is, you know, maybe you haven't been paying attention to the news and I just gave you a bunch of headlines and you're like, this is really bad. And, and now I've told you that it, the problem is not just that we're experiencing uh, you know, stress in our life, anxiety, but that there's this spiritual distress and it's headed toward eternal ruin. So you're like, thanks for that. Well, I, I'm not gonna share bad news with you unless I can offer some good news. And the good news is this. This is what the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Philippian church. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. He, he's saying, I want you to know that you can celebrate. Here's a guy riding from prison chained, hearing bad news about the church in Philippi, and he's saying to them, you can celebrate in the Lord. Let me say it again, you can celebrate. Well, how can you celebrate? You celebrate knowing this, that previously 
I was against God, and I was experiencing deep, inner, and eternal turmoil. But God intervened in my story. God became one of us. Jesus Christ comes to earth with the express mission of taking our sin judgment, our sin suffering. And he took our eternal death sentence on himself. So when Jesus died, he, he died in our place. He stretched out his arms, his arms strong enough, his life powerful enough to carry the weight and the burden and the pain and the suffering and the judgment we deserve. That so when Jesus died, he died in our place. And so the apostle Paul says, when you celebrate, the only way you can celebrate is if you celebrate in the Lord. Let me say it again. He goes, I want to repeat this. Celebrate in the Lord. Meaning when you believe in Jesus by faith, your sins are forgiven, guilt and shame removed. And when guilt and shame are removed, when sin is forgiven, you now have internal rest, internal peace, because you have peace with God. No longer is there a spiritual battle. No longer is, do I feel like God is against me. Now I know God is for me. When you know God is for you and God is your friend, now you have his strength in you. You have his hope in you. You have God's spirit in your spirit empowering you to face every situation. And so the apostle Paul can sit in prison saying, even in prison, I can celebrate because I am celebrating in the Lord. Let me, let me, illustrate this. Let's have a little bit of fun here. So I'm going to invite my son. He's going he's gonna to come and help me out. Matthew, come here, buddy. Yay! All right. So here's Matthew, and he's going to help us out. You can tell he's never been up here on the stage with daddy before, but here's what we're going to do. I want you to imagine you're like little Matthew, and now, now Matthew, every once in a while, he gets in a little wrestling match and a little, little skirmish with his older brother, and, and so imagine Matthew on his own. He's got he's to wrestle, and he's going he's gonna to play with his brother. Yeah, you like that. All right. So imagine he's wrestling with his brother, right? And on his own, he's big and strong, but he's no match for his brothers. But imagine daddy comes along, and daddy reaches in. And daddy puts his arms underneath Matthew's arms. And now the strong arms of daddy can out wrestle everybody. I can out wrestle his brother. I can out wrestle his sisters. I can out wrestle most problems, right? And I can also help him if he's in a financial crisis. And you're going to wrestle with me right now, right? So imagine you have the strong arms of God under your arms, the strong arms of God lifting you, the strong arms of God carrying you when you're in trouble. All right, you ready? You want to go back? All right, we're going to put Matthew down for a moment. Got it? All right. <laughs> so here's what I want you to see, right? You have, when you believe in Jesus by faith, his death and the power of his resurrection, because Jesus defeated sin, he defeated the grave, and he freed us from eternal judgment. Now we have God's spirit in our spirit, and God's spirit is lifting us. God's spirit is strengthening us. God's spirit is in us to empower us, to carry us. And so now, this is the apostle Paul. He's sitting in prison, but he feels the strong arm of God 
with him. He feels the strong arms of God in his chains. He feels the strong arms of God when he gets the bad news about Philippi. He feels the strength of God when he's facing difficult crises. And that's why he says, you can rejoice in the Lord always. Let me say it again, rejoice. You can celebrate because you know that God is not only with you, but God is in you, strengthening you and giving you peace no matter what you're walking, no matter what storms you're walking, no matter what battles you're facing, no matter what prison you're in or what chains are holding you, no matter what news you get, the strong arms of God are with you. So now the Apostle Paul gives us a pattern, a way for us to experience peace that brings joy when we should be feeling stress and anxiety. By the way, I need to just pause for a moment because some of you might misinterpret what I'm saying. I don't want you to think that anxiety or stress are a sin. I am saying they are rooted in, in the sin nature, meaning who we are as people that are driven by sin produces worry, produces stress, produces anxiety and anxiety disorders. It's not that they are sinful, it's that they're the result of sin. Sin produces pain. Sin produces suffering. Sin produces hurt. Sin produces all kinds of brokenness and anxiety and stress are just one of those things that sin produces. So how do we navigate through those difficult situations and experience true peace that comes from surrender? Surrendering to the strong arms of God. So let's jump back in Philippians chapter four where he writes this. Don't be anxious about anything, and he's not condemning you. He's not saying, you're wrong, don't be anxious. He's saying, you don't have to be anxious about anything. But in every situation, so no matter what you're going through, here's how you can avoid being anxious. Here's how you can get out of the anxiety or the stress or that turmoil that you're feeling inwardly. By prayer, and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And his point is this. We experience peace through surrender, right? And so surrender to God in prayer. The key is to surrender to God in prayer. Most of us, we use prayer as kind of a last ditch attempt. And we see prayer not as alleviating a burden, but as a religious burden. Meaning the problem is that I feel like I have to pray and that makes me more stressed or more anxious. But what we don't realize, the Apostle Paul is saying, no, 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 when you feel anxious or when you're in a situation that could make you feel inner turmoil, I want you to pause and I want you to pray. And when you pray, you are surrendering the situation to God. Now think about it. What kind of prayer? Many of us get trapped in feeling like we have to pray a formula. And so our words sound formulaic. We have to pray, pray a religious method. And as a result, we're not really talking to God. We're talking to religion. We're not, lifting, we're not lifting our burdens to God. We're carrying more religious burden. But when we, he's not talking about that kind of prayer. He's talking about a conversational, personal, intimate, and authentic style of prayer. God, you know what I'm going through. God, you know the trouble I'm carrying. I'm asking you, God, to 
be with me and to be present in my situation. And the Apostle Paul sitting in prison is saying that when you begin to pray, you begin to sense God's presence. You begin to sense the strong arms of God and then you can surrender your weakness, your burdens, your weights to God simply by lifting your hands saying, God, I, I surrender to you in prayer. But he doesn't stop there. He continues. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so there's a, there's a second part to this, not just prayer, but praise. Surrender to God with praise. Praise is a celebration. Praise is singing of the strength of God. Praise is telling God who he is and what he's done. Praise uh, is a little bit more exciting. It, it, it's, praise will get your feet stomping, right? And what the Apostle Paul is doing is he goes, when you begin to thank God, you begin to remember what God has done for you, and you, be, you begin to remember what God not only has done, but who he is. God, thank you that you are strong enough. God, thank you that you are loving. God, thank you that you are good. God, thank you that you are all-powerful. God, thank you that every desire that comes from you is accomplished, and then you begin to thank God for what he's done. And here's what happens. When you, when you remember who God is, then you, you begin to have a magnified view of God. And the bigger your view of God, the smaller your view of the problems. If I remember that God rules over all of history, then every headline I see, I remember God is bigger. Not only do I remember and thank God for who he is, but I remember and thank God for what he's done. And when I, when I begin to recount the stories of God's faithfulness, the stories of how God has provided, the, the stories of how God has protected, and I, and I begin to recount the stories that I've read in the Bible, when I begin to recount the stories that I've experienced, that others have experienced, I begin to retell the stories of God's miracles and God's wonders. Here's what happens. If God has done it before, he can do it again. And, and when I begin to praise God for what he's done, it begins to fill my heart with peace as I surrender my situation, believing if he did it, if he did it then, he can do it again. And some of you, you just need to begin to thank God for what he's done. And as you thank God, he will begin to fill you with peace peace because now you know that he is not only with you, but he is in you. And if he is in you, then he is in your prison cell and he is in your crisis and he is in your financial disaster and he is in your troubles and he is in your worries. Maybe you're carrying the worry of having to make payroll for a large corporation or maybe you have a deadline as you begin to thank God for what he's done. You will, re you will remember that God is present with you today and that will give you peace in your surrender of praise. But don't stop there, there's more. He goes like this, don't fret. All I did was I just brought a different translation. I thought I'd mix it up a little bit. So I'm reading, this, this one is from the message translation, a message paraphrase, where it reads this way. Don't fret or worry, don't worry, this is fine. Instead of worrying, pray, right? And then I said praise, let your petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And here's what'll happen before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Here's the point of what he's saying. He goes, you get peace when you begin to surrender your fear to God. 
Let's surrender our fears to God. Well, what, what do I mean by this? Where do I get that? He goes like this. Don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. You don't have to let your fears trouble you. So here's what you're going to do. With prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. If you read that like I did, you would think it was really redundant. Prayer, petition, make your requests known to God. It sounds like he's saying pray and pray and pray some more. And, and maybe for you, that doesn't give you peace. That, that actually makes you more anxious. But that's not what he's saying. He goes, here's the deal. Here's what I want you to do. You don't have to be anxious about anything because as you pray, personally, candidly, vulnerably, authentically to God. What you're going to do is you're going to begin to praise God, thank him for who he is and what he's done. Then when you get a magnified view of God, when you realize that God is bigger than your situation, he's bigger than your prison, he's bigger than the division that's going on in that workplace or that family situation, he's bigger than that. Then you can begin to trust him with it. You begin to give him your fears. And that's where the word petition comes in. He goes, prayer, telling God what you want him to do, petition, telling him why you want him to do it. Maybe you've signed a petition. When you sign a petition, what you're doing is you're, somebody wrote out all of the reasons why they want something done, and they are petitioning someone or something to make that change. So when you petition God, here's what you're doing. You're saying, God, here are the reasons why I'm asking you to do this. But let me, let me, let me tell you why petition changes how we feel, why it gives us peace. Because when I petition God, here's what I'm doing. It's a little bit like, you ever, you ever had a conversation with a friend? Maybe you sat down and you just begin to unburden all of your problems. Maybe you're one of those people, you know, like you, when you're going through something, you start shooting a text message and it gets really, really long. By the way, don't do that. That's crazy. Some of us, we get, we get like 18 texts from you and we're like, this is too long to read, right? Or, or maybe you have to call someone. Um, and, and here's what you need to do, right? You're unburdening the troubles you're carrying. This is why people go to counselors and psychologists or psychiatrists, right? Like they want to they lay down their burden. You know what? Interestingly, there's a lot of research that suggests that a good friend can be as effective as a counselor. Why? Because what you really need is to go to someone and just lay out your burdens. So here's the first key, right? That when I go to God, I surrender my fears. God, here's what I want you to do, but more than what I want you to do, here's why. Here's what I'm experiencing. And what you're doing is you're peeling back the layers of your worry. You're peeling back the layers like an onion of your anxieties. And as you peel it back, you begin to lay out your stress to God. God, here's what I'm going through. Here's what's weighing on my heart. Here's what I'm experiencing. And as you begin to lay out your fears, you discover that God is bigger and God is present, and God is active in your life. And when you lay out your fears, you realize that God is capable of intervening in your situation because he's not like a counselor, that when you're finished, you're gonna pay your bill and walk out the door. God goes with you and is in you to, to carry you through the crises, the pain, the troubles that you're in. And so I wanna challenge you, don't just pray, petition. 
Let God know why you're asking what you're asking, but that takes time, right? Well, some of you, you take the time to unburden yourself with others, and then they pick it up, and now they're burdened, right? And now they have to go talk to somebody else, and this is how things spread. But when you go to God, he doesn't just pick up your burdens. He carried your burdens, and his strong arms get under your weakness. His strong arms get under your inability with his ability. His strong arms begin to do what you can never do, and you begin to discover that you can release your fears to a God who is greater than all fears. And when you and I take the time to pray and praise and petition, giving God our fears, here's what the Apostle Paul says can happen. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which means, he goes like this, when somebody else sees what you're going through, it doesn't make sense that you could ever have peace. They're looking at you and they're saying, Man, if I was going through what you're going through, I would be in constant turmoil. I would be scared out of my mind. He goes, it's a peace that doesn't make sense. It goes beyond understanding. He goes, and that peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The point is this. We experience peace when we surrender by giving God control. You want control? You're going to have increased anxiety. The more, the more control you demand in a situation, the more stress you're going to experience. I'm not telling you not to, you know, be responsible. I'm not ter- telling you that you don't have to take responsibility for what you're going through or that you should, um, you know, try to take control of your life or your emotions or your disciplines or of your finances. What I'm saying is yielding control to God by allowing the peace of God to guard you. The, the, the illustration that the Apostle Paul is using, meaning you can't necessarily see it in the words, but what it, the word he uses when he says we'll guard is like if you were driving up to a military base. If you've ever done this before, you can't just drive up. You can't just, you know, drive into Camp David. When you get close, there are gates and there are MPs. There are guards guarding your access to the base. And here's what God said. The Apostle Paul is saying that God allows his peace to serve like an MP, keeping in and out the right and wrong thoughts. God's peace will not give access to thoughts that will trouble your mind. God's peace, like an MP, will keep things off base. If they are off base, he won't let them into your thinking. And when they enter your thinking, the MPs will guard you. The peace of God will guard you and bring peace back. So what I have to do is I have to allow God to take control, allow his peace to guard my thinking so that when my mind starts going in a wrong direction, I begin to pray and praise with, you know, with thanksgiving, right? I begin to pray and praise and give my fear to God. And then that reigns in my worries. It reigns in my anxiety as I give God control of that situation. And here's the thing, right? Some of you right now, you're at our Chambersburg campus, you're at our cinemas, you're at our Wilson campus, and you don't have peace. You're you're in inner turmoil. And the real challenge here is this. You, You don't just need peace. You need peace with God. The only way you're ever gonna get peace with God is if you allow Jesus Christ to become your Lord and Savior. If you ask God to forgive you of your sin, you believe that Jesus died and that he rose again and that his spirit will live in your spirit 
through faith. And that's how you begin by receiving peace. Peace through surrender, surrendering your life to God, allowing the strong arms of God to enter into your life and enter into your situation. So begin there, peace with God. But some of you, you have peace with God. God's spirit's living in your spirit, but you're still trying to do it in your own strength. You're, you're using your arms to try to take control of the situation. Meanwhile, God's arms are at rest because you're not giving it to him. And so would you yield control? Would you surrender to God and give this situation to God right now? So I want to take a moment and just pray over you. Some of you, it's, you're going to begin a prayer. It's going to be a prayer of surrender to God, receiving peace with God. Others of you, your prayer is surrendering a situation to God. Would you, would you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us so much that you sent Jesus Christ to die, to rise from the dead, and in his death and resurrection, he purchased our peace so that we don't have to let the troubles around us become troubles in us. For those that right now, they don't have peace with you. Would they experience peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ? And those that believe in Jesus right now, would you give them the, the ability the yielding to surrender to you every situation, every thought, every anxiety, and say, God, would you enter my troubles? We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.